0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 600 in five
1: with Chef Chris Hill. When you hire somebody, there should be a very clear set of expectations. This is what I expect you to do. And it's a contract between t- you know, two entities. The only way to have that be any anything worthwhile is to enforce those those standards and, and expectations. And that's where accountability comes in. You know, John Taffer talks about this is what you do but then this is how you need to do it, and this is why. Accountability is, is something quantifiable, qualifiable, and verifiable. Are you ready for it factors,
0: success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become Unstoppable. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of Rebel, but have you heard of the Rebel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Rebel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Rebel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at rebelsystems.com slash Unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. Everybody loves payday, am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable and when you run your first payroll you'll get your first three months free again that's gusto.com slash unstoppable all right with excitement allow me to welcome back on the show for a fourth appearance my man chef chris hill chris are you feeling unstoppable today my man eric always buddy <laughs> yes that's what we like to hear so chris hill is an author speaker and podcaster with a background in marketing and business strategy. After a quarter-life crisis, Hill decided to take a leap of faith into the world of restaurants. Today, Hill primarily consults in the restaurant industry on leadership, company culture, and menu development, as well as speaking to various industry organizations, including Fortune 500 brands like the Texas Roadhouse, National Restaurant Association, ACF, TEDx, and to various culinary schools, including Johnson and Wales and Miami Culinary Institute. Today, we're here to discuss how to build, retain, and maintain stellar teams. But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a
1: success quote or mantra. What do you got for us, Chris? You know, lately, I've been living this one, or at least been trying to, and it's it's the fact that you can either make excuses or you can make it happen, but you cannot do both. Mm, I love it. Great way to get this thing going. And like I said, this is your fourth time
0: on the show. The first time you're on the show, where we're here to discuss your uh, first book, "Making the Cut." Uh, catch us up. What's what's going on now? Uh, what's 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 hot in your life?
1: Yeah, man. So I've been. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've gotten on here together, and I've been. Uh, Doing a lot of the same work, so a lot of writing, a lot of speaking. I've been actually in the last couple months looking to get back into the restaurant game. So that's something we can maybe talk about. But uh, I'm also uh, adjunct instructor over at the Culinary Institute of Virginia. So trying to kind of keep my hands wet with with the, the new things happening in the industry with with uh, the students. And uh, it's been just a lot of fun, like uh, gratification. And right now, I'm working on this new book about leadership in the uh, culinary world. So
0: nice. Well, I can't wait to get you back on a, a, a fifth time to discuss how that new restaurant's going, maybe in a couple of years. I'm sure it's going to be awesome, man. Congratulations on that. Appreciate it, man. Uh, so during our pre-interview chat, you alluded that the first book was really kind of trying to capture the stories, make an example of some of these chefs that are just doing it right. And then you kind of hinted that the second book is going to be more actionable takeaways, uh, things that we can do, uh, the kind of next level thinking that you've gathered in your research is that a safe assumption did I, did I hear that right is, is that kind of we can get maybe like a little bit of a teaser of the book today?
1: Yeah, so I think you nailed it Eric. You know, after writing making the cut which you know I was really proud of is my first kind of full-length book and it's it's a a task, you know, going from can only imagine. Some words and ideas in your head until you know having something that's put together that actually makes sense that people can find value out of. So when I was done, you know, the dust settles a little bit and I was able to, to provide a lot of inspiration for a lot of people. At the same time, I felt like, I was like, well, great, but now there's not really, there's not really anything for people to take away with this. So you know, my goal was for the next book to have something, not just inspiration, but some really actually vital tools that people could use and put into place that wasn't just my, uh, my or someone else's uh, situations from what they've experienced, but it's actually some research and data that have been collected over years. And that, that's kind of why I'm excited about you know, some of that I'll dive into that today. Awesome. So that was episode 242. Crazy
0: to think that was almost 350 episodes ago. Time flies. I'll link to that in the show notes. Head over to dot slash 605 to find that link. And uh, today, again, we're here to talk about building, retaining and maintaining teams. So why don't you just dive right into it? Take us to the, the, that first bullet there,
1: building high performance teams. How do we do that? Well, Eric, what do you think is the biggest thing holding teams back from from building you know, that kind of first piece? Uh, there's a ton of things. Um, I mean, I think it's been there's
0: never been a time like today uh, where there's just such a an abundance of restaurants that you know it, the it's we're all pulling from the same pool and there's more restaurants than ever, so the the pickings are slim. I think that's probably one of the the biggest things holding us back. And I think the other variable is uh, the transactional nature of society uh, of people just thinking that it's enough to provide a job and a paycheck. And uh, that's where the, the road ends. But the truth is that's where it just begins.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. Actually, I actually had lunch with a buddy today and he runs a pretty, pretty high end hotel here in the area. And they're about to hit the busy season. And he, he with housekeeping staff is having the exact same problem. Um, you know, similar pay rates, similar hours, you're you're kind of always on call and so I, I feel like that kind of labor shortage is a lot of what you said uh, i think you know the tangible benefits and pay you know, we can't pay somebody you know starting out you know seventy five thousand dollars a year with with dental and 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 health care and and it's usually not a 401k um what else there's um the list keeps the hell, going on, hours. on yeah <laughs> like
0: but i hear what you're saying like uh you know, how do you attract onto yourself the most passionate, uh, dress worthy, high quality characters when there is such little resources in this industry? To you know, small margins, little resources. What else can we do? I guess is what I'm hearing from you to to attract onto ourselves these people.
1: Right, right, and that's where I think it kind of it goes into understanding you know, who you are as a company. You know, what do we stand for? And what are the signs and the signals that we're putting out there to people that attract the right people? You know, on, on my podcast, we had uh, somebody that, that he's real into to hiring and was in HR for a long time. And one of the things he says is great companies don't hire, they attract and they bring the right people in that are ma- magnetically kind of drawn to the company. And I think if we can do that, we're at least starting with the right pool of candidates and then we can kind of figure out which ones work based on that.
0: Yes. So I think that kind of segues into the next section of this first part, which is how do we attract onto ourselves these people? What's the, the right way to approach that?
1: Yep. So, you know, first of all, what are the qualities that we think are useful and and are meaningful? You, know, you talk here a lot about core values. Maybe you could touch a bit on, on just core values. Chris, I could talk about core values
0: all day long, but I really want to compound off of what you were just saying how to attract onto yourself the right people. And when I heard you say that, I immediately thought of this company, uh, Laney and Lou, that I used to work for. And what they did so well was they nailed down their brand. They knew exactly who they were, who they wanted to be, and how, and, and you could tell they were intentional about who they were going to be so they could attract onto themselves. People just like them, and it was a health food, health uh, not just about the food, but the energy and uh, the, the the wellness that, that that brand of just wellness that they were trying to project out into the world, and the people that they were able to get on their team because of their the clarity of their brand was basically just like top of the line, uh, passionate, healthy, optimistic, great people. But they that's what their brand yells. I mean, all the variables that you want to attract onto yourself, you need to like. Project out into the world, uh, and we can talk about core values too. But what are your what are your thoughts? On what I
1: just shared with you, I think that's one of the best examples you can have. You know, some, something that's very clearly defined. They're not going to be attracting people that are that are uh, not healthy. They don't have a healthy lifestyle. So it goes right in line with what they believe, and then it makes it a lot easier to kind of keep that energy going throughout the culture. And then you're able to kind of have the easier conversation with the uh the guests as well you know one of the things i try and do at culinary school when i when i'm talking with students is what is it why should somebody hire you instead of somebody else you know it there's other people applying for every single job even though there is you know labor shortage so how can you be like the only candidate someone has to hire here
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned core values and I think, you know, once you know what your core values are, you want to commit those to writing, but I think, uh, what the greatest brands do is they project, they, they implant, they weave the core values into their brand. So when you look at the brand from, you know, the outside looking in the core values are just like singing that they're, they're just shining, uh, like under the, like almost like under the surface, they're there. But it, what ends up happening is that you, you attract onto yourself, these people that, that have your same values. And then from there, you ask me about core values. Y- you list out those core values and you work them into your everyday operations, uh, using examples of when a core value would shine through, like, uh, going above and beyond, or like always delivering, uh, outrageous or like whatever the the core value is um, exceeding expectations. Right. And when you see somebody exceed expectations, you point it out or if they fall short of exceeding expectations, you say, Hey, our core value is exceeding expectations. And then you live those core values every day until you don't have to echo them every day because everybody knows
1: what they are. And and they kind of come naturally. A great example of that is, I'm not sure if it's the Ritz Carlton or if it's the four seasons, but one of those companies, in the hiring process, it's like day one of a long eight-hour training shift. And when you're, when you're applying for the job, one of the lines it has is, you know, what's your favorite candy? And you write down Skittles or, or Snickers, whatever it is. After uh, your first break, after a two-hour chunk of, of the training, you come back, and there's your candy waiting on your, on your desk. Beautiful, I love it, and it's, it's their idea of, of taking care of people the way that they want to take care of their customers, dude. A little, yes, absolutely,
0: a little teaser. I had a uh, Horst Schultze back on the show for a second time. His episode is going to be going live in a week or two, where we'll we cover the twenty four standards of service that he has created for the Ritz Carlton, in that he uses in the, the Capella Group today. So just a little teaser, not very, to get too far. Cool. off. Nice. Yeah, dude, I cannot wait to, to publish that one. Uh, okay, so what what else do we have to talk to uh, regarding the uh, the the building a, a team?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of us don't do a very good job of the actual hiring process in conversations and figuring out, so we, we know what the core values are, but then how do we translate that into like something practical in an interview? One of the things I, I think we, we don't realize and is are we hiring somebody for the right reasons? Are we, are we actually, are they bought into and do they understand those things and they want to be a part of them or they just need a paycheck? When when somebody uh, just needs a paycheck, they'll they'll you know work kind of anywhere. But if if they are bought into uh, something bigger than that, then they'll work for for, uh, for the passion and, and the and the motivation to do to do better. Um, so we have to understand their motivation not just what we want, but what do they want as well?
0: Yeah. And I think that's what the best brands do. They, they know they exist to serve. Uh, It's not about their own personal success, but they know that if they, if they exist to create opportunities for other people, if they exist to, to attract onto themselves, the people that want a career in hospitality because they know that if you, Hey, if I go with that company, I'm going to, they're going to be opening three or four restaurants in the next 10 years. And I can maybe even be a partner. And it's those people that know that their job is to create opportunities for other that end up creating the most opportunities for themselves. I love that. So you said uh, you, you shared three unique scenarios to building a team with me in the the notes that you shot over my way for today, uh, today's chat. Do you want to dive into those?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be like a whole episode on, on itself, but kind of in a nutshell, there's you know the idea of building a team from scratch. So you're you're about to open up, right? And, and you're going from from zero to sixty, and, and you're going to be opening in, in thirty days. What does that look like? And and that scenario is very different from you know, being promoted from within. So you keep working your way up, and then all of a sudden you're in some sort of management role. Depending on how big the company is, you might go from a line cook to to a chef, or you might go from sous chef to to uh, to executive chef, but now your role has changed very uniquely because you're used to working on a daily basis with the people right next to you. And y'all are kind of boys and you're going out for drinks after work and everything. And now you have to be the disciplinarian at the same time. And the third, the third one is uh, being you're hired from outside to a new company that maybe they were being uh, successful but maybe they weren't. And then there's obviously a culture that exists already. If, if they're, they're doing a good job, then you need to, to understand that and be kind of delicate with the way you handle it. If it's in shambles, you have to handle that a completely different way. So a lot of things going on there, but really it's understanding, you know, what are the needs of the organization, how they meet my needs and the people around this.
0: So real quick, those three scenarios, again, building a team from scratch, uh, promoting promoting from within, uh, and then also the last one was uh being hired to take over a pre existing team. I would avoid that third one personally because uh, you don 't know what kind of culture already exists, and to change culture is really hard, but you know some people out there ha- I mean that 's a real scenario uh it 's a tough one. Uh, I want to dive a little bit into that first scenario from building a team from scratch because I feel like a lot of my listeners are probably fall underneath that scenario and man i don 't know about you but I've noticed recently that the, the, the brands that are really doing well, um, don't just build a restaurant from scratch. They, they, I mean, they are building from scratch in a way, but they usually, the most successful brands are usually coming from another restaurant group. That's extremely successful. Um, they're moving on and doing their own thing. And then these people have such a rapport, such a, Uh, a presence about them that when they leave to go do their own thing, they're bringing a a team of people with them, not necessarily just from that restaurant they're working at, but also because they're social within the, the, uh, the community, the, the, the restaurant uh, food and beverage, network, right? So they, they they socialize with other food and beverage people, They they go to events, they compete, and they build this massive network around themselves. They have respect, they have rapport. And when the word drops that they're going to open their own restaurant, there's like a wave of people that want to be a part of that. Cause I know that this individual is going to be the next big thing. And that, I've noticed that that's the best way to do it, is to you know, commit 10, 15 years of your life or, or you know, at least five years of your life hustling like 60 hours a week, being an example, being that person everyone aspires to work with and then going off, doing your own thing and attracting and bringing, you know, using that, that network that you've created to, to, to come with you. What are your thoughts on that?
1: man I mean that way you can first of all people working with you like you're saying if you're bringing people over they can see that oh well well Eric worked you know from the bottom up and in five years he was running the whole place now he's doing his own thing I can go with Eric and do the same thing with him now Uh, and, and there's an energy about opening up a restaurant that's so unique and so special that it's it's really fun to kind of get things going the problem is you have certain expectations for how things are going to look, how it's going to be, what food's may to be popular, what's not going to be, and usually that stuff is almost half wrong. You, you, you never open on time, and so, it, so the hiring when you're opening up is challenging, too, because people can't just work for free, and you might run out of money um, if you don't have enough kind of in the bank, so there's, there's a lot of challenges with the opening up part, but if you can get it right and, like you said, bring things over from somewhere else is definitely the way to go. Yeah,
0: and you know, to kind of compound off that idea of building a team from scratch... This is something I've seen a lot of recently and it comes up time and time again in my interviews is when you're building a team, it's not just you, the owner, and then your minions that you hire. I've noticed that a lot, there's a lot more partnerships seeming to, to bubble up right now. People are opening restaurants where, you know, they, there might be an executive chef and a general manager at a restaurant. They love working together. They develop a friendship or rapport and then these people will go and then open their own restaurant together with maybe the AGM coming on as a partner too. So now you have three partners, right? Uh, Opening a restaurant together and they're all sharing the equity in the business to attract onto themselves. Top talent. Is that, is that a pattern pattern you picked up too? is, 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 have you seen that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think that's, I think it's helpful, but it's dangerous. Sorry. (laughs) It's dangerous too. Well, it's it's dangerous, and, and I think I think the reason why it's dangerous is is one of the problems with independent restaurants. A lot is there's not enough structure in place. So if if I'm the assistant GM, or if if I'm the, if I'm the executive chef, let's say, and and I'm in like a very small partnership role, like you're talking about, it better be very clearly defined what my not just my job and roles and responsibilities are, but but what does success look like for you? So that I get my share of 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 the cut, and we need to make sure we're all pulling in, in the same direction. Otherwise, um, I'm working my ass off. The kitchen's numbers are great, but the bar is giving the bar away. So now there go our profits, and, and we end up not. You know, I'm not getting that three percent, even though I'm working my ass off for it. So yeah. there's a there's a lot of challenges. I think I, the biggest thing with opening up a new restaurant is do everything you possibly can to get it right on day one.
0: Yeah, uh, I pick, I, I feel that. Uh, but I mean, I really also think at the same time today, because of the, uh, the, the very variables we pointed out earlier with why it's so hard to build a team because there's such little people that are qualified to get out there and, and to do the work, uh, especially if you're trying to open a restaurant. Uh, if you want to attract onto yourself, top quality people, I don't know that there is no better way than to offer that person equity in the business. If you want the best, you got to give the people the best deals. It, it and it's a slippery slope because you know, you might give somebody equity in your business and then they decide they don't, you know, they might not want it as bad as you do. So, I mean, when when you give up equity, it's a really slippery so slippery slope, so you got to really make sure these people, you know, have that same dream, have have that same passion, have that same you got to communicate that vision too. Uh but I mean, In a a competitive market, I don't see any other way that's as effective as going in with a partnership and, and offering equity. And people who are listening to me right now are probably cringing at that thought, but I just don't see any other way. And bear in mind, I'm making the statement in a market that has never been so competitive for top talented people. And I'm not just talking about opening a restaurant, I'm talking about being the best. If you're gonna be the best, you gotta surround yourself with the best and there is a lot of incentive on the table right now for those people who are truly passionate and talented in this industry. How else are you going to attract them if you don't have the operating capital behind you?
1: Maybe well, that, I'm, kinda jumps, that jumps into the, the, the second part of this, which is you know, retaining and maintaining that team. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let, let's roll right into that.
0: Uh, thank you for – actually, before we do roll into that, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. restaurant's hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at get slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. All right, we're back and uh, we might as well just roll right into the uh, second header you have for us, which is retaining a high performance team. So we talked about some of the challenges of building a team. Uh, now we're going to talk about how we can retain
1: that team. Go for it. So I think the first thing to recognize is how much it costs when you aren't doing things right. You're having to hire somebody, train them, get them up to speed. Um, then there's a certain amount of time where they're working for you, but you're going to pay for the trainer, but also for them to kind of get, get things right. They're putting food out. That's, that's not right they're, um So that means customers are unhappy. That means that food costs are going to be higher. Um, and that's a, a long period of time, at least maybe two weeks to a month. So in that time span, things can go wrong and then the average employee in restaurants around 60 days so half the time they're there they're not fully competent now they're gone well if you eliminate that you're going to save thousands and thousands of dollars a year just on that kind of hiring piece that's 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 the biggest opportunity for restaurants right now to increase their profits hasn't their their margins i mean the food costs only go, go so low the alcohol costs only go so low but The one that we can control we're not doing a very good job of is keeping good people around.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So what's the secret to keeping those good people around? How do we do that?
1: Well, I I think as you were mentioning before, before we took for break, um, what is is attractive to somebody in this industry? I think more and more people are seeing that there is some money in this, in this industry. If you do it right now, I think people are a little bit overambitious and maybe want things faster than is, Probably natural for the industry, but how can I give somebody the benefits of of working here, um, so that you know they, they can they can be a valuable member, but also ha- they can keep growing and they, they'll have something that they're proud of, not just for work, but also they can kind of put away for for uh, down the road. Um, I think we need to understand what the needs are, and then in doing and the, doing that create opportunities for them to 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 grow and learn and get better. If it's just about the money, which you were kind of arguing against a little bit, if it's just about the money, then I'll just go to the next place. But if, if you get that first kind of branding piece right, who are we attracting in? Then people will say, you know what, I could work 12 bucks over here or 15 bucks over there, but I'm learning here. This is where I feel like it's home. I'll take 12 bucks here instead and I'll keep growing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we can bring up Maslow's hierarchy of needs right now and at the very base of that, that triangle the 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 most basic needs are food and shelter and then security after that uh but security in a first world country is relatively easy to obtain so really where the magic starts to happen is when you start creating those those teams right and i don't want to steal your thunder do you want to get into that
1: well and and that's the very next need right like the social aspect of it yeah so creating creating environment where everybody feels safe where everybody feels like they're connected so um you know being consistent, I think, is a really good thing. If, if I'm an employee, I need to know that you as my boss are going to be the same person you were yesterday. Now, you're going to have uh, up days and down days, but I don't want to walk in and then you're, you're freaking out at me one day then you're trying to you know, kiss masks the next day. So that consistency, but also it's consistency in workplace. You know, if, if I go in you know, after uh, it's, it's a restaurant that's open for lunch and dinner and the lunch guy bounced in the the, the kitchen's in shambles, that consistent. The lack of consistency shows me that well now that's frustrating now i have to, to to do things that i wasn't expecting to absolutely so uh after we
0: have that that feeling of belonging uh that we are safe because the uh, owner is consistent in their level of caring what comes next
1: i think transparency which which you know a lot of people have been talking about transparency recently especially with the whole like, I, me too and having an environment where people can speak out and you and i've talked before i know you have some tools and resources that companies can use to allow people um a platform in a way that's not gonna feel like they're they're giving themselves or or throwing somebody else under the bus uh so i think transparency and and uh giving people um a, a way to express things that that are the problems or challenges to them being able to do their best work. That starts with you as the person in charge, being transparent uh, and re- and showing that you have flaws and vulnerabilities and, and you don't get all the food right either. So uh, giving a place for people to show their imperfection by showing yours first. Okay. Um, and after that, on
0: our notes here, we see, uh, I see understanding the needs of the individuals and how each of us approaches the world in different ways. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, so, so my experiences up to this point in my life are very different than yours, uh, even though we are friends and, and connected. Um, maybe a good example of that is, is where you're recording this over in Thailand. The people there, as friendly as you are, are, still have unique situations that they've experienced in life that are different than yours. So knowing that, uh, going into uh, the, the conversations you're having in a hiring process If you're able to extract some of those things and understand what what drives somebody, but also what are the things that they have dealt with before that that are going to maybe come up and influence their behavior at times? That way, you can expect things. You can also know that, all right, well, some people are going to handle stress out situations different than others. What's a good station for them on the line? Or somebody screwed up today. How can I handle the situation in the best way possible? Where they're not going to just shut down and go in the corner.
0: Yeah, and what I'm hearing from you is really just empathy. You have to understand. You have to understand that everybody sees the world through a different lens. And just because you interpret a situation uh, one way, that doesn't necessarily mean that your employees are going to interpret that that situation the same exact way as you. You have to see with, with this person's specific culture, with their specific experiences in the world, with their specific values. How are they going to interpret this situation? You need to put yourself in their position, understand them, really be open-minded to all the possible uh, ways people are interpreting all circumstances. Plus taking into, into consideration their unique strengths and weaknesses. Is that what I'm hearing from you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember you had Bob Berg on the, on the show, right? Oh, that was an awesome. A interview. Years, yeah. A couple of years ago we had him on the podcast too. He's a great guy. And if anyone had listened, Bob Berg's episode is awesome. And, um, he, you know, he wrote the Go Giver and, and in his newest book, uh, the, the Go Giver Influencer, I think it's called. You know, he says that you know it's it's not the golden rule of do unto others as you have them do under you. It's do unto others as you would like them essentially to do what they need you to do, not do what you would want to do because it doesn't matter what you want to do. Like do what they need.
0: Mm-hmm. And the, the last bullet we have here, and again we're talking right now about retaining high performance uh, or high performing teams uh, is finding ways to push people beyond their comfort zone allows for an entire team to brainstorm
1: challenges. Dive into that. What do you mean by that? Well, so this kind of again goes back to the idea of how can we buy into something when there aren't a whole lot of things aside from just the the fun creative work and and the environment that, that are to buy into. Um, And and that's where I think the idea of ownership comes in. if, If we're able to give people, a you know, platform to, to express themselves and what's the way they kind of see the work and the craft. they can you know I, I encourage on t- every Tuesday, sit down with the staff in the kitchen and everybody comes up every Tuesday with two different special ideas. and we'll use somebody's this weekend. And it may, may not be exactly how somebody wrote it up on, on, on their on their notepad, but now I can kind of take pride in the fact that you know, this weekend you're running my lamb special. And next weekend I'm running your your risotto special and things like that allow people to kind of and help people buy in when there isn't as much of the of the healthcare and the benefits that that you think of for a, a typical employment.
0: Yeah, and listening to you talk, I'm just thinking about a lot of people. The way they approach business is they, which is something we need. They they create a lot of systems, processes, procedures. Right? We need these things in our business, obviously, but. I think there was a period where people put way too much emphasis back when the job market was strong and you could hire somebody in a day, uh you were just plugging heartbeats, pulses into your operation and you know, follow the systems, follow the protocols, hear the checklist, that's it. Today, where there's fewer people, uh, you know, it's not as easy just to throw to have those those system dependent operations. Uh really I'm thinking – I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that why limit yourself to just heart rates, just heartbeats? Why not tap into the full potential of the people you're hiring? And who knows? You might have a future rock star on your team. But if you just treat them like a part of the system and you don't give them the opportunity to, to be who they are and you don't give them the, the opportunity – opportunity to let their strengths really shine through, you're, you're limiting yourself. You're, you're not tapping into that possibility, that, that potential brain energy that you have, all these potential people on your team that could contribute to the end product.
1: Dude, one of the, the greatest lessons I've learned and when I really probably started to understand this stuff is uh, probably you know half a dozen years ago, first time I had a chance to kind of come in and help try and take an organization around, turn them around and they're a mess. Uh, they were, it was, it was near a uh, closure uh, you, and they, they didn't know what to do. They kept you know, trying different specials and hap, lower and lower happy hour. Nothing was working. I, so I come in, I see, and to me, it seemed very clear that, well, everything was kind of just, you know, drop it in the fryer. Number 10 cans of of marinara sauce, you know, frozen cheese sticks, just drop it in the fryer. I said, and as a result, nobody was inspired the front of the house or back of the house, you know, the front of the house waiters, they're not telling their families and friends to come in because they're not they proud of it. special. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the kitchen has no ownership of the food. So they're just kind of throwing it up there and maybe putting a little bit of dry parsley on top and calling it a day. So I worked with them and over the, over the course of a couple of months turned it into a completely from scratch kitchen. Wow. It was, they were all competent cooks. They knew what the hell they were doing. They just didn't have the chance to, and you should have seen, Eric, the change in the way people approach the work. They're inspired. They're happy. They felt like they were doing something worth, worthwhile. And I think we give, if we give and we continue to nurture and grow people, people are smart enough. They'll, they'll be able to get on board. Um, so if you do the right things, uh, you can really turn things around and get a culture that, that people want to be a part of.
0: Beautiful. And just to summarize uh, the second part here, retaining a high performance team, uh, you want to create a culture of safety. You want to uh, build a company that has transparency, where there's a two-way level of communication going on, understanding that you have to Know the needs of your individuals and uh, exist to serve their needs, not the other way around. Your your employees don't exist to serve your needs. You got to take care of them and and help them uh, get to where they're going and giving and, and feeding their needs. And then lastly, you need to get your people to buy in by letting them contribute, by letting them feel like they have a creative outlet, by letting them contribute their potential mental energy, so they're not just systems parts of the system they're they're human beings contributing feeling valued yeah for sure sweet all right we're gonna take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back that you love the most about Rebel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com unstoppable. It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention you, you've got to compete with the big guys, but how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto, that's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back. And the last bullet you gave us is maintaining a high performing team. So we've covered building a high performing team. We've covered uh, retaining a high performing team and now we're going to talk about maintaining a high performance team What's the difference between retaining and maintaining high performance teams
1: well i think I think retaining is the are the things that are actively keeping people coming back okay i think main i think maintaining is more of keeping a level a playing field that's that's kind of constant across the board where people know what to expect um, and things um are very Baseline, I guess you'd say.
0: Okay, so what can we do to maintain that high-performing
1: team? So, yeah, I think the first thing goes down to accountability. Um, when when you hire somebody, there should be a very clear set of expectations, like we talked about before. If this is what I expect you to do. This is what I expect you to do. And it's a contract between t- you know two entities. Um, the only way to have that be any anything worthwhile is to. To uh, enforce those those standards and, and expectations, and that's where accountability comes in. You know, John Taffer, who I know you've had a podcast as well, talks about you know this is what you do, but then this is how you need to do it, and this is why. And and accountability is is is, is something quantifiable, qualifiable, and verifiable. I think those are the very three things uh, that they're really helpful as well.
0: Yeah. When I hear you talk about accountability, what I think of is standards. Uh, you, and we talk a lot about the, the importance of systems and processes, but we also need to set standards for all those things so that, that there's an expectation, right? And that this is the aiming point. And that if you're not hitting this point, if you're not achieving this every time, then you're falling short because how else can you hold people accountable if they don't know what the expectation is?
1: Correct. And it goes down to very simple things as well. So if, if people are scheduled to be here at ten o'clock, and and they're not here till t- till 10, 15, what does that say to the people that are there at ten o'clock or nine fifty? If there's not some sort of repercussions for being late,
0: yeah, I think so. I think the the two variables that that play heavily into accountability again uh, standards, having a list of standards, and then also having a list of policies. So this is like okay, your hygiene isn't where we want it to be. You need to write all these expectations down. You got to paint that picture of perfection like our man Rudy Mick mentions in order to give these people a picture of what the job done right looks like. Otherwise they don't know how to show up every day. They don't know what you expect from them unless you, you have these standards written down and you have these policies set into stone. Any other thoughts on that or can we move to the next one?
1: Well, I, I just want to say one, I agree a hundred percent And and anyone that's fired somebody, I guarantee because I've been guilty of this before too is did you give this person the tools and the resources they needed to succeed? And if you haven't, you look back and say, wow, I just, I, I just got it wrong. Where did you I in bed, wrong. You can't yeah. feel guilty about it? You know,
0: that's a great mentality that, in general to have whenever anything happens instead of, you know, this, this is a great way to, to check your culture, right? If th- something goes wrong, if you develop the habit of saying, you know, instead of saying what did this person do wrong and what did, and if, if you replace that with what did I do wrong to not make this person be successful in the situation? How did I not
1: support this person to the point where they went wrong? Right. And, yeah. when you, and it's not to make you feel bad about it, it's to make it so that next time it happens, you can keep that from happening again.
0: You're plugging holes, you're, you're, you're finding the weak spots, and you're, you're constantly improving. And that's a great just habit to form whenever anything goes wrong, ask what did I do wrong for us? I love that. Thank you for bringing that to the table, Chris. But I guess now what we need to talk about is what to do or the best way to, you know, fire somebody if that has to
1: happen. Yeah. So I, going back to expectations, you know, there needs to be a very clear uh, understanding of what they are. And then when they're not being met, there's the accountability part. And now, okay, under what conditions, if this continues to happen, or sometimes it could be one thing that happened, depending on how, how serious it is, under what conditions is it no longer appropriate or responsible to keep this person around?
0: All right. So, how do you make sure that happens? How do you work that into your operation so it's set that way every time?
1: Well, that's one of the challenges too. We're all human beings and we have different relationships with the people we work for. Sometimes certain people, just based on the way organizations work, get more attached to one manager or the other. So something happens and and management's not all on the same page as it relates to that. One thing that I'm blanking on his name right now, but we were talking on our podcast to the the CEO of Snagga Jobs. And one of the challenges, he says he thinks he sees a lot happening with the industry is that people are more uh, loyal to the people that are below them. So like I'm more loyal to my cooks than I am to, to the people that are next to me. So my, my other managers. So it, instead of, instead of having that loyalty, I think you need both. I don't, I don't think there's a, 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 a one or the other, I think, but I think we have to have that, that culture of transparency where people can keep, you know, bring these to the table. Like we talked about before, but then um, understanding what those things are. And I think, I think you do have to, in a sense, have a, a baseline of this is what is acceptable. And this is what's not.
0: Awesome. Kind of going back to what we said before, having those policies, having those standards, uh, in, in documenting them. So they're written down someplace. So when somebody is veering off course or not meeting the expectation, you have a document, a fix, something that they probably sign off on, or should be signing off on, on the day that they get hired saying, I agree to these expectations. So when they veer off, you have something to uh to track their performance against
1: right right and i I don't i was talking with an organizational psychologist on friday i think it was and she was talking about how well you need a players and b players and c players and and i'm diving more into that whole idea um a certain part of me thinks you will maybe if you want all a players um but then you know, the A players are going to leave and, and have their own kind of set of issues. Um, but I, I don't think that when talk about expectations, I don't think it's all right. Well, you you aren't fast enough on the line, so we're going to let you go. I think that's where you say, all right, you're not fast enough on the line. Maybe we should put you somewhere else in the kitchen where we can better utilize the skills you have. So I, th- I think it's analyze the situation. What are the needs that should be met? If they aren't meeting them, is it is it a moral, or is, is it a moral problem or an ethical problem, or is it something that they just can't get up to speed? And if they're good people, can we keep them around, put them somewhere else, or do we need to uh, have a conversation and understand that the, the, um, their needs just aren't aligning with theirs?
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I and mean, I think, like, just like in life in general, right? Like, in life, we're not all going to grow up to be rocket scientists, you know, we're not all the a player uh outrageously capable person we need that person that is going to sweep we need that person that maybe doesn't really have a a ton of ambition in life but just wants to be able to wake up do their job go home and have their separate life at home right uh and there's nothing wrong with that but i think when i think of a players i think uh of not comparing each other not com- comparing your employees to each other, but getting each individual employee to be the a version of themselves wh- regardless of what vertical that 's in, because you might have somebody like you said like who's a, a you know killer on the line, but that same person who 's killer on the line introvert might not like to be social in uh, confront guests where that that social emotional intelligent person that does great in the front of the house isn't necessarily going to be that, that rock star chef that can uh, handle four stations at once. Right.
1: Right. Right. I, I think that's a good point. And I think it's, it's also not saying that, okay, well our A players are all the people that are higher up in the company and the, and the C players are, are lower. It's understanding yeah, what can this person bring to the table based on where they are right now. Like you just said. Yeah.
0: Awesome stuff. Um, so we've pretty much covered everything today. I think the last thing to cover is how to, uh, use feedback mechanisms to really maintain that high level of performance. And, uh, what, I know you have one that you want to share. So what is that, that first level of feedback that we're going to touch on?
1: Well, I think just having sit down conversations, I think scheduling those, because as we all know in the industry, it's, it's intense and it's busy and it's, we're all being pulled in different directions. So having a way for, for your employees to, interact with you in a way that it's, it's not, not in passing at work, but it's a sit down. Hey, what's going on? Let's just check in and see what, how, how are we doing? How, how are, are you doing? And and then figure out where we can make the relationship uh, maximal based on where it is right now. Um, and, and so I, I think uh, making it as easy as possible and, and having it built into your calendar, like you would on Calendly or something like that uh, forces you to it, to, to do that. Maybe every two weeks, have that sit down for you know, five, 10 minutes with everybody in the office.
0: Yeah, I think this kind of plays back into this the second bullet where you know, we talked about building, we've talked about retaining, and we talked about maintaining. Going back to retaining, you mentioned that that level of transparency. We need to open up the channels of communication. You need to work and you need to schedule those group chats, uh, whether it's during the pre-mail, uh, having that that time, sitting outside a minute or two minutes to, say, any issues that are going on that we need to talk about, any issues you'd like to bring to the surface. And then for more personal things during those one-on-one chats, like how are your relationships with your employees, anything we should know about. And then you can also add in uh, tools. I mean, there's technology we can leverage today to uh, open up those channels of communications. And I know I think our our friend Mike Canino says like the, the number one most important number you can track in your business. You know, it's not prime cost. It's, on a scale from one to 10, how, how happy are your employees? You know, get them every day to, to rate their level of happiness. So you have an, a pulse on where your culture is and how people are doing. Uh, there's tools that you can use to do this. Uh, one is 15 five. Another one is called tiny pulse. And there's also another tool that I want to share with the listeners it's called ethics suite, a past sponsor on the show, which is just a, a channel of communication to, uh, keep, track of things like and it, the thing that's unique about ethics suite is that it's a uh what's the word a uh
1: anonymous
0: anonymous thank you an anonymous channel of communication where people can it, say if they witness uh somebody stealing or misconduct or theft and they're afraid that if they get caught writing this person out, they're going to lose the respect of their peers, or maybe they're afraid that if they get caught, this person might hurt them or, or threaten them. So you need to open up these channels of communication to let your employees tell you when things are going wrong.
1: Any reflection on that? The one thing I would say is, and, and I agree a hundred percent, the, the, the fact that these things are in place is almost as valuable as the fact that whether or not they're used mm-hmm. because most of us or most people, I would say, would probably not do certain things if they knew that there were repercussions people would find out about mm-hmm. or, or if there's an easy way to report it. Uh, so so just the fact that you have something there, um, I would think deters people from doing things that are going to be you know, hurtful or, or could make things um, challenging for people.
0: Yeah, and we talked a little bit about pruning the bush earlier too when you do have to let people go. If you can have a... a if you have evidence... Of people making reports, I mean that's something that you. If it ever goes to a point where you know lawyers get involved, you have a backlog of people bringing to your attention the misconduct from this person. Right, this person not meeting expectations. So these are yeah. all tools in the arsenal that you can yeah. use to protect yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and I was just saying, if you if you have you know a, a folder for every employee, which you should. Every time that they're late or every time something happens. If you aren't documenting those things, start doing that next time you go into work. I mean, moving forward, because when you do have to let somebody go, um, you need some, some, in a lot of situations, documentation that there's a reason why. Absolutely.
0: So Chris, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show for a fourth time. It's been a blast growing alongside of you. Uh, any other thoughts, anything you want to drop on us before we say goodbye?
1: You know, I, I don't think so, really. I just uh, thank you for the chance to kind of talk about this stuff, Eric. I love it. And, you know, I think we all need to, to see the responsibility and the opportunity we have. Uh, there's so many restaurants and, and companies out there that aren't doing it right that if you do do it right, if you get some of these, these pieces in place, I think it can be really productive and helpful for your company. Beautiful.
0: Awesome stuff. Chris, how can we connect if we want to uh, continue the
1: conversation? Yeah, man. So probably the biggest two places, uh, my website, uh, chrishillonline.com. Uh, I have a blog there to talk a talk about a lot of the same types, types of ideas. Uh, and then my Facebook page is facebook.com uh, forward slash Chef Chris Hill.
0: All right. Again, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about reta- sorry growing, retaining, and maintaining teams. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks, brother. Cheers.